and welcome to Web3 Unpacked. I'm Rich Pasqua, and today we have the pleasure of speaking with Lloyd Moore, CTO of Valiance, a very interesting platform that offers Web3 benefits and capabilities to Web2 commerce. Welcome, Lloyd. Hey, Rich, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Lloyd. And, um, you know, from what I've been reading and hearing from other people in the industry, you have a pretty interesting background. You're a technology executive. You served as commando in the Royal Marines. Uh, and you're a professional rugby player. And, and from what our brief conversation just before we started, you're an avid music fan and producer. Um, playing piano and getting into the electronic stuff that I love uh, too. How did you? How did you actually get involved in Web three? This is a question we ask, but you have such a diverse background, it becomes even more interesting for me. Yeah. So, and by the way, the 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 rugby thing. I don't play rugby anymore. I'm 52 now. I would be seriously hurt <laughs> if I ventured onto a rugby pitch right now. That's yeah, uh, I, totally. Totally respectable right there. I get it. <laughs> yeah, but to answer the Web3 question, that came around from a combination of things, really. So from an early age, I've been a huge maths fan, which is a bit rare, even you know, especially at a young age. But if you combine my love of electronics and you know, hardware and software, that combination around, I'd say, a few years after the original uh, Bitcoin paper, I'd heard kind of ruminations about how cool Bitcoin was. And then fast forward to maybe four, four or five years ago when all these other cryptocurrencies exploded and I just started to think about just some of the amazing things that suddenly were possible in this brand new world of Web3. And I've not looked back and here we are. Yeah, um, you know, many, many people back in 2013, I started in this world and never left, um, did the same thing you did, you know, read the white paper, had some discussions, you know, with with technologists and technology folks that I was working with at the time um, and kept talking about it and realized it's undeniably interesting, the idea of introducing truth into this into the digital world into the web um that sparked my curiosity invested a little bit things go up things go down threw up a bunch of times <laughs> you know when the prices go down um but uh ultimately you know just a little bit of investment keeps your interest peaked and then you really start to follow the rabbit hole and you you start to th tell yourself and really understand that this technology has the power to transform society you know, so Absolutely. really, really, really cool. Uh, similar stories. Um, so one of the questions I like to ask, you know, most of our, our, our guests is, you know, what do you think, you know, generally, even, you know, outside of, of your world of valiance, what are the hurdles and the obstacles, uh, you know, for organizations and people building for Web3 currently? I think the main obstacles are, understanding what the heck this stuff does because if you compare the kind of things you can do with web3 to the landscape that we're in right now there's 
and there's a lack of understanding. For example, you know, if we talk about things like, you know, zero knowledge proofs, that is a very difficult beast to explain to anybody that doesn't have a deep understanding of mathematics and, you know, some of the other things that you can do that don't even come close to the power of zero knowledge. You know, imagine trying to explain to somebody that I can prove a fact to you without revealing anything other than something that's going to make you trust my answer. That's already, it's even difficult to, to, to say that's <laughs> that, that statement. So yeah, I'd say that the, the main, the main difficulty is getting people on board just through education and explaining just what the, how, how powerful this, this new technology is, this group of components. Yeah. Um, education and it comes up almost in every podcast, Lloyd, the education is, is every, is kind of the backbone of everything right now uh, until people can really jump that chasm, really jump that, you know, that mental uh, type of scenario of, wow, things can be trusted thing. I mean, I, you don't have to, uh, do an hour's worth of research on someone or something or a service. Uh, that's super powerful, but it's really hard for people to kind of get over it and get into it. Once you start to understand and you start to trust the technology and you see that it works by example or use case, that's super powerful. And that's how people really get into it. And that's the importance of this podcast, to be honest with you, is to show that there are real people really smart people um, starting to structure their businesses in a much different way, whether it be pure play, you know, DeFi or offering rewards points and systems through Web3. Um, you know, you start to see that there are real people, real teams and global teams building something really special. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, when with all this stuff with the SEC in the United States, which, you know, Hello, UK. You guys have uh, dodged a bullet there. Let's put it that way. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting uh, to see, you know, the dynamics happening with that um, and, you know, you know how things are going to unfold in, in that world as well. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, so before we get into, you know, uh, you know, valiance per se, I want to know a little bit of what problems – is Valiance solving for, for people in web and potential web three and potentially outside of web three? So the way I'd, I'd answer this question is just explain the separation from web three as almost like an implementation detail of the, the wider problem that we're solving. So as a lot of people are aware, data has become prevalent in you know every aspect of our lives as people become much more comfortable with technology or at least the things that rely on technology such as you know my iPhone or my laptop that's in front of me right now <clears throat> a big part of what makes these things valuable is the data the information that's flowing from my my laptop my iPhone right now to the nearest you know broadcasting uh, station to you know and then to the ISPs and so on. And this is all, all happening. 
at a rate of knots that you know most people wouldn't be able to fathom. So where Web3 comes in is partly through democratizing the ownership of that data. So for example, if I wanted to understand what data is on my phone and, and who's got access to it, that's pretty much impossible for most people. And so what our platform is going to do is it's going to enable through data ownership, you know, big players and small players, depending on the, on, on the, on the different phases to have the ability to provide access to different levels of data, whether it's a, a single piece of data or whether it's all of my health data, for example, in a way that's trusted. And the way we'll do that is by leaning on Web3 and, and specifically blockchain, instead of people having to trust Valence as an organization, they will be able to trust the mathematics behind the technology that is blockchain itself. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. Fantastic. And, um, you know, the idea of data, right, and who owns the data and who does what with data obviously is a huge conversation. But it, my wife and I, um, she's an ad tech <clears throat> and marketing. Uh, we've been having this discussion for, for years, right? And I keep telling her, blockchain is the way, blockchain is the way. Now you're starting to see ad tech companies doing almost um, not a Web3 or a blockchain solutions, but they're, they're handling user data and um, advertising data um, in a decentralized way, even though it's not on the blockchain. So to me, that's a, actually a great step forward. And it's the idea of what I really like what you guys are doing is taking, and it, much like Brave Browser, taking this whole wacky world of misuse of data and putting the onus, putting the ownership back into the user's hands, right? That is super important for people to understand that companies like Valiance and, and others are doing this, starting to or already doing it, um, <clears throat> which means you are no longer the product and you, 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 know, you become the advertiser. You become uh, the arbiter of what is used and not used and controlled. Um, and I can envision a lot of this stuff with, you know, switches and dials and you can turn up, uh, you know, personal data or turn it down or social data or whatever it may be and use that as currency. You know, um, people, large organizations, no names uh, <laughs> included here, uh, have been using millions of, of people as, you know, batteries and or content creators, you know? So uh, I love the idea of that. And I really like that um, even on your website, uh, on the Valance website, you break things into products. And I think people understand pro productization of technologies like this a little bit better, which is identity, uh, authentic uh, um, authentication, uh, and engagement, right? And the those those ideas come in the form of the wallet, um, the Valiance identity, and Valiance marketplace, which is super interesting. Um, and I, I really want to get into that. But can you kind of unpack these products for us? Um, give us a taste of what people will experience and or you know benefit from. Yeah. So so you mentioned the the wallet. 
So for those people that don't really know, in, in the Web3 world, if you think about something like a password, whenever you're logging into a browser, you're basically typing something in and some information goes from your phone or from your laptop to a server somewhere. But along the way, there is a chance that, you know, a naughty person could intercept that signal. And now there's an insecurity issue because somebody could discover your password. Now there's things in place uh, to mitigate that problem. But when we think about wallets, there's this concept of a public and private key pair. And the way that works is the, the public key is shared with everybody and that's, that, that's not a problem. But the private key is always kept private. And so what happens is through some technology, te technology handshakes, your private key essentially never leaves your wallet. And so that's, that, that's, how, that's how our wallet works as well. But something a bit more interesting from a value proposition point of view with Valence is that traditional, traditionally it's been quite difficult to use a wallet using this technology. And what Valence is always endeavoring to do is to make it as seamless as possible so eventually somebody will be able to use our whole stack without any knowledge of how any of these different blockchain-esque components work. So that's that's our wallet. Um, the concept of valence identity, that's talking about, you know, control over your uh, personal data. And it's, an, you know, it's an important discussion that's been happening and we've just touched on it there. And you mentioned, you, and then just tell me, there was a couple of other things that you mentioned, but I've forgotten what you said after that. Yeah, so if you kind of expand on the idea of the wallet and treat the wallet as a component, and now you add more layers to that, I guess it's an analogous to, a, you know, a physical wallet that people more that that can identify with more. And let's say you were putting, you know, somebody's logo on your on your on your personal wallet, and now if you transpose that into the digital world. That's probably the the closest the closest analogy I could give you. So, for example, if you take a vertical like art, we could configure the wallet in in different ways so that you know if you're an art lover or a collector and so on, there's different configurations that we'll eventually be able to install so that your wallet feels more like something that's designed for that particular sphere or or for that that particular vertical which is not something that you can do with a, I was going to say traditional, but with a normal PKI uh, Web3 wallet. Mm. Yeah, okay, cool. Very good. Um, so there's going to be, you know, we always like to look for opportunities, right, to, to make connections with brands, um, have marketing capabilities, advertising capabilities for different people. Um, if you choose, right, it's your wallet. Indeed. So you're having control over your data and, and how you perceive that wallet. So 
um, there, there could be revenue generating opportunities right in your, right in your wallet, actually. So that's kind of cool. Um, now from a, from a, just jumping back to the identity portion of it, because this is so interesting and uh, I've played and teased out, uh, blockchain or web three type of scenarios for l very large publishers many years ago. Yeah. And you can imagine the idea of, you know, uh, decentralized micropayments went straight over their heads um, at the time, you know, six, seven years ago. <clears throat> and um, I was I'm curious as to how you foster the relationships with people outside of the Valiant network, say publishers or advertisers or anyone else. Are you starting to make those connections right now where, oh, they're part of the trusted network or. They're out of our network, but they still can play and we can still transact. How does that work? Yeah. No, it's a great question. So I'll, so I'll just take a step back and then we'll build up to the point where we talk about interoperability because that's the, that's the cornerstone of getting to that place where you can break out of your ecosystem. So <clears throat> once you've got a, um, a Web3 identity on chain, um, that becomes the fundamental the fundamental aspect of your kind of representation in the decentralized internet and so there, there are several advantages to that um so before you get to interoperability you've got self-sovereignty so you know by minting that identity on chain it means that you, effectively because you've got the private key you you control your own identity so in the traditional web or for this conversation, we'll say Web two. Your your identities, like you know, your user accounts on different platforms. Um, we won't name them, but you know, they're controlled by these centralized entities. And the problem with that is, although it's you know really easy to use, if those same entities shut down, or for whatever reason decide to block you for some reason, you've lost your identity. Now. In Web3, as long as you control your private keys, nobody can take that away from you. And also there's the privacy and transparency aspect as well, because on-chain identities can offer that balance between privacy and transparency. If you're able to control what can be seen, when and, and how, you can choose how transparent you want different aspects of things that you own to be. And while your interactions on chain are by default publicly viewable, they're not directly tied to who you are in the real world unless you choose to make that link. Now, with, with all that in place, we can now talk about interoperability, which in the Web3 model, because your identity is not tied to a particular platform or service, it is now possible to go beyond that ecosystem, whatever it is, and interop with all these other different, um, these different ecosystems. So the way that, that it works now, let's say you were in a, in a, in a particular forum or, you know, it could be Twitter, it could be something else. You're effectively, you know, held, held to ransom, with, you know, within that walled garden. But, you know, now with this and with NFTs and things like that, and we can talk about that, you can now essentially take your digital representation, which is that identity on chain, and 
have it reach out without restriction wherever you may want it to go. Yeah, I I love that analogy of um, you know interacting with Twitter. Um, whether you're doing a micro payment or you know you want to tip someone or you know you really love some of the writers on there or whatnot. Um, really interesting and and you know I think the world of interoperability uh, or multi-chain, if you will, um, you know, uh, w- years ago we started with you know single chains. Things blew up, they broke, um, and people took lessons from it. Um, I know this happened across the Cosmos uh, ecosystem, um, and people and protocols started to band together and make decisions as a group, not just individuals, and they realized they needed to support each other. They needed to build and piggyback on each other, Um, and it becomes a very safe and open way to, to transact. Absolutely. And so just to use another example of, so, you know, before we talked about things that might not be possible today, but in the Web3 world become possible. The other day I was talking to my wife about a a playlist that I had on Spotify and, you know, in, in the car, I wanted to play that same playlist, but I was listening to Apple Music. Now, if you can completely decouple that playlist give it its own identity, I can now play that in any other forum, whether it's Apple Music, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Audius. And then suddenly, you know, and and as you educate people about these possibilities, you now empower people to come up with even more interesting ways. And that's just a really simple example. And that ability to be interoperable across different fields is, is super powerful. And I think that over you know the coming months and years, we're going to see an explosion of ideas that are going to change the way people live. I couldn't agree more. Um, that I'm I'm slightly chuckling at the Apple analogy because they are so walled off that um, I don't know if they understand the word interoperability or you know sharing, if you will. Um, all good. We still like Apple. Blah blah blah. You know, but there are lessons to be learned, and I think this is one of those things that the world, not just big business or big tech, have to learn. Everyone has to learn that we're opening up. Humans are opening up. It's about sharing and making money from it or getting knowledge from it or or anything else. And there is a real sharing community um, baked into this the whole ethos of Web3. So uh, I love that. I love the playlist analogy, um, you know, how many times do we think about that? Like in the car, in the office, I wish I can sling that here or interact with that. Or I, I collected all of this here and I want to share it, you know, in a different place. Uh, it's, it's frustrating, but it's refreshing to know that this technology will allow for that. Um, Absolutely. You know, if, if the organization accepts it, you know, um, awesome. Now, now the, the the third component here is the marketplace, right? Authenticating uh, one of the one of the things that you're doing is authenticating physical and digital goods, right? And I don't think this is anything new um, to the world of Web three, but how are you guys putting your spin on it? Um, you know, thinking beyond NFTs and taking smart contracts to new industries. What does that world look like in your in your marketplace? Yeah, so. 
I think everybody understands the basic, you know, premise of a marketplace. It's, you know, it's a market, buyers and sellers and so on. But it comes from, rather the value proposition at Valence comes from not just the marketplace per se, but again, you know, looking at interoperability, the use of blockchain. And added to that, you know, we, we've got a component, which is AliceNet, which is our own blockchain as well. And so when you couple that marketplace with the concept of, you know, tokenomics, when you've got your own blockchain that consists of, you know, two different tokens, one being the utility, one for governance, suddenly you have a traditional marketplace, but with all the facets of Web3, that when you bring these two things together, there's some interesting things that you will be able to do in that marketplace that you couldn't do before. So think about a marketplace where you've got something to sell or you want to reach out to people to say that, you know, you're interested in, you know, product A, B or C. Something that you can't do today, but you, you can't, you will be able to do with Valence and Web3 in general is you will be able to choose who can see those signals of interest. So for example, I can be on a, a marketplace using blockchain technology, not having to trust even Valence and advertise based on particular profiles that I'm interested in a particular thing, but do it either publicly or privately or somewhere in between. This is not something that you can you could do in a, in a traditional marketplace, but something that Valence is, is moving towards. Interesting. So you could set up a shop you do your own marketing research and due diligence. You identify um, core audiences or targets that you're going after. You start selling your wares or your goods. Then you have the ability again to kind of share that marketing data. Now it's not part. Now it's not personal data. It's marketing data around specific uh, goods and services to other marketing and advertising agencies or, or, or uh, networks. Absolutely. That's really cool. And that's a really, that's a kind of a fresh spin on, yeah, totally. and on also, data. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And there's also the fact that you do not have to trust as much. So for example, if I go onto another marketplace, let's say Amazon, for example, if I want to get a feel for how good a particular product or service is, I'm going to go and look at the comments. But now imagine that I can go to a, another marketplace and instead of looking at comments, I can see real data that cannot be faked. This is something that can easily do be done with blockchain that can't be done when you need to trust the, the platform that you're seeing this thing on. Yeah, that that's interesting, especially when it comes to the the world of Amazon, because I know a lot of like affiliate marketing people and people spinning up new products. The first thing they'll do is go on. They'll do exactly what you said. Look at the comments. What? How are people? You know how thing how is how is the environment resonating with these people or these products? Um, but then they'll also go and look at how many units were sold over how long. But at the end of the day, you know, maybe the amount of units is, is factual, but the comments generally are, in most cases, fabricated. 
right? And you don't know what's real or not. Um, look, we live in a world of bots. So the idea of just, you know, validating that data, having it super clean, and then having actual advertisers come in and, and start to use it. And then there'll be a, a new layer of tools for them to parse and source uh, for themselves beyond that, which is super, super interesting. So your, your technology is going to lead to other layers of really interesting uh, marketing and advertising technology. Very cool. Um, and that's something that I, I would love to unpack and kind of discuss even further down the road for sure. Um, awesome. Now, <clears throat> within the marketplace, it looks like, you know, um, Valiance will be able to, to, to tie into your kind of traditional CRM. Or, as we were just saying, maybe there is a new generation of CRM. I, I hope there is, <laughs> personally. I'm not a big fan of uh, what's out there right now. But um, how does the world of, you know, what is, you know, when we hear digital twin, right? I'm working with a couple of ESG companies right now, and they're doing, you know, um, uh, you know, building these data and information centers and dashboards that monitor the um, uh, eco health of skyscrapers or or apartment buildings and or office buildings in maybe in the in London or New York or wherever. Um, and they're creating digital twins. So people can actually see environments. They can see uh, how the HVAC system's working or anything else, or even flow within, in and out of buildings. Uh, what does this mean to the Valiance world as far as digital twins? Yeah, it's a great question. Digital twins is, is super fascinating. I think yeah. depending on the audience, somebody could think of a digital twin as an NFT. And then there's also a close coupling in in other instances with things like IoT. So you mentioned there the example of HVAC. If I've got the ability to show live data from you know an object that I've got you know in my hand or at home, and then have that information reflect in a digital system, you know, using your example, I can now very easily track the movements of, um, you know, through the events that have been sent by IoT of that particular system as a digital twin to that kind of like digital space. Um, so also anal analogous is the uh, NFTs as well. Once, once you've got the concept of being able to track things in a digital world, whether, whether it be physical or, or not, whether it be an NFT, you're now e it's now possible to to use a digital platform in a CRM or, or otherwise to do things like trading. So you could use that digital twin concept to to trade on on the Valence marketplace, but I'm biased, or other similar platforms. And what would this allow? It would allow retailers to sell their goods in in different digital markets because of the interoperability and with a CRM integration, Valence could also integrate with other CRM systems. The, the NFTs could also be linked to, for example, you know, different profiles of customers in the CRM system as well. And, you know, for the good or bad, that would allow companies to track things like ownership and history of their products at the, at the customer level. And 
these are things that, that can be done with some difficulty, but you know, with with the Web3 space and the components that it offers, this kind of suite of products um, that are available today that are just going to get better in the future, this becomes, dare I say it, child's play for organizations. Um, and then, you know, this word keeps coming up, interoperability. Um, you know, for the Valence marketplace to extend its reach beyond its own ecosystem, um, that interop element is key. Um, it means that different blockchain platforms can exchange information. Um, and, you know, I keep repeating the word and then you suddenly understand why that interoperability is so fundamental for nearly everything that comes from here in the future. And it all starts with having these basic components in place. One of those things being the digital identity, which we spoke about earlier. Um, I mean, o overall, the, the, the potential applications of a platform uh, like Valence Marketplace, they're vast. They're vast. Y yeah. And the, the, the thing that you mentioned, Lloyd, that really should pique people's interest is that you could track your products in perpetuity, meaning forever, um, yes. with, again, in interoperability uh, happening, uh, meaning if a product or a digital asset jumps to a different chain or whatever, you can still track it. That is wildly powerful. That's Absolutely. like... It's actually un unheard of um, because we've been living in just this kind of faux Web 2 uh, physical world for so long. Um, but when y you set a product free and it's tagged and set up properly and, you know, with the right technology, being able to track the legacy, the, the performance and legacy of your products over time across multiple platforms is, is wild. It's really, uh, it's a really cool concept. And I think people, that's part of the thing, that mental jump that people have to kind of make. Absolutely. Uh, and once, once advertisers jump on, get, see this, is, it becomes really powerful. So what you touched on there is in the art world, you would call, you would call it provenance. And so one of the first verticals that we're working in because of our strong relationships in the art world is art. And using blockchain technology, you know, you touched on a really important point there, which is in of itself, it's, it's super valuable to be able to trace the movements of, of any product. Now imagine that you're an art collector. What Valence will do is allow you as an art collector to track the provenance of, you know, pieces of artwork that you're, you're either looking to buy or that you own or even just for, for historical interest, be able to watch these movements. And even, even just on, the, on that latter point, you've now got another, another avenue into things like speculation and financial instruments, you know, buying and selling. And, and now you've got this trusted platform, which is built on these trustless components, inevitably blockchain. And, and then suddenly in the world of art, there's new instruments that will come up just because of things like the valence platform and others that will follow. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, no matter whenever you're talking marketplaces and smart contracts and whatnot, NFTs and art always 
come up, right? And provenance and, and all that good stuff. What are you making? How How is the marketplace, the Valiance marketplace right now, as far as adoption of, say, normie, normie brands or, you know, physical products and or normal digital products outside of the NFT art world? Yeah, so, yeah, so interestingly enough, we we took the stance that we, even though we are interested because of our relationships with particular verticals, we made a, a we made a decision to make sure that our initial platform was broad so that we weren't pigeonholed in any particular vertical. And this would be something that we could underpin lots of different verticals. So in general, what we're building is a data enablement platform that although through the examples we've just discussed are super useful and valuable for different people and profiles within the, the world of art, that there is also a strong link to the use cases that you'll find in the world of health, for example, as well. And so what we what we have in place right now and we, we you know we continue to, to develop could underpin not just art but health and sports and other verticals in between that's that's fantastic and it's important for people to understand that all they hear is board apes and you know this that and the other thing and you know nfts but companies and organizations like valiance are starting to open up this world of commerce to many, many other products and services. Um, and you're taking a data, uh, kind of a data first kind of approach to things, which I think is really smart because that's where the value lies. Um, and it can be monetized by as many people or as few people at whenever you want. Um, it's really amazing. Um, and it's important for our listeners to really understand that when the floodgates open up, and they will, and people start using their tokens, whether it be Bitcoin, Ethereum, or any other altcoin uh, on various networks to spend their money and to use it, um, the floodgates are going to open up. And having the right co you know, commerce backbone and infrastructure is really important. And again, interoperability, key here. Um, you know, it's important that it, it is coming and there is an entire massive groundswell and, um, you know, uh, commerce uh, wave coming, you know, so people really have to understand that. And it, it is this it's already happening. There is an underground economy. Um, people in governments don't understand that your decisions up here reflect thousands of protocols thousands of other developers uh, and, and products down the road that are building and trust this whole idea. And um, it, it's coming. What um, now the, you, those are the three core products. Do you, do you have products that you're bubbling up? You can, you want to tease out Lloyd, um, you know, something fresh that might, we might want to kind of keep our eye on with Valiance. So we also have, so within engineering, we have, you know, the concept of science and research, and we have some amazing people who are constantly looking at pushing the boundaries. We're looking at innovative, innovative, sorry, ways of 
using zero knowledge to do things that you can't readily do today. Earlier, we, you know, we talked about giving permissions to some or all of somebody's data. Something that we're developing right now is the ability using fine-grained permissions based on not any database technology, but zero knowledge proofs using some serious mathematics to enable people to not just be able to have fine-grained permissions and control over their data at any time at will, but to be able to do it in a trustless way, which means even though the front door to that technology will be Valence as a company, they will be able to publicly see the technology, you know, through a block explorer or something similar. And even if said person was to, you know, fall out with Valence or decide to not want to want to work with Valence, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't change their abilities to trust their data. And so things like that, we're, we're really looking forward to releasing, um, hopefully in Q4, but we'll see. Well, yeah, and it's, you know, it's one of those things in the 2.0 world where you kind of join a community, you download uh, uh, some software that you want to use, or, you know, you're, you're paying for it, a subscription, but then you get locked in, right? Exactly. Um, and I think that's the whole, uh, you know, everyone, all software companies are in their own, you know, s subscriptions slash uh, walled gardens, if you will. And that's the idea of making money. You can't fault them. Uh, that's how it's done. But being able to move and slice off pieces of earnings and or data or knowledge as it lives, even outside of the ecosystem that you started in is super powerful. And I think that's something new for, for humans, <laughs> um, uh, you know, especially in the software world. Uh, and, you know, I can say I completely welcome it. I think it's a, it's a very, you know, trustless kind of uh, environment and, and definitely welcomed. So Lloyd, you know, we kind of unpacked Valiance, you know, and, and it's it, subsequent products quite a bit here. Um, really, really interesting. But there's another side to you personally um, that is kind of near and dear to you. And that's kind of the idea of being um, a coach or a leader uh, and um, helping people with leadership skills and vision, you know. So how do you help organizations kind of find their way, maybe realign, help them realign uh, their purpose, if you will? Um, how are you doing that? So just to talk about leadership specifically, what I try to do is <clears throat> foster this idea that, you know, whenever you go into an organization as a leader, you need to change the way people think about leadership. And that is the, the key to success from a team standpoint is to have a team of leaders. And so if you kind of flip that kind of hierarchical tree around, it's my belief that leaders are there to serve the people that are, you know, visually you know, on that tree underneath them. And so 
what I try to do is <clears throat> first, as part of the culture, help people understand that that they're not there to follow, but they are there to lead to lead themselves and to lead their efforts as part of the as part of the you know the company mission. Um, and also, it's key to understand that you know effective leadership it's it's not just about qualifications on paper or personal connections but it involves hands-on experience and a deep understanding of the intricacies of an organization. One good thing about being old, you know, I'm, I'm 50, I'll be 53, I'll be 53 in July, is that, you know, you can't buy, you can't, you can't buy experience. Um, and so, and what that then hopefully gives you is authentic understanding. So, you know, hand-on leader, hands-on leaders rather, understand that, you know, they need to understand the work that their teams are doing as well. It's quite difficult to effectively lead somebody if you don't understand what it feels like to do the, the very thing that you're asking them to do. Um, and then that, you know, that helps you make informed decisions, offer practical guidance. And it also helps gain the respect of the team members as well. Um, empathy, massive. Leaders with hands-on experience they're often better able to empathize with their team's challenges and and successes because they've faced those situations themselves and having that empathy fosters a stronger connection between leaders and teams it's really important to remember and it's very easy to forget the fact that regardless of the organization regardless of the nature of the work that's being done it's about people. And that's why empathy and emotional intelligence are so important. Without that, you're... Sorry, please continue. Yeah, it's it, it's really easy to understand things from a technical <clears throat> aspect. But if you're not engaged at the emotional level with, with people, you, you never have those relationships. And whichever team that you're on, it's it's going to be formed on a brittle backbone and you're probably set up to fail. Um, and then also credibility is really important as well. A lot of these things kind of, kind of overlap as well, you know, credibility, authenticity and so on. But, you know, hands-on le hands leaders earn credibility because they can demonstrate that they're not only capable of leading, but also of doing as well. And that translates into, you know, we spoke about respect. It's increased from their team members. And there's a greater willingness of the team to kind of join the efforts that they're being asked to go along. And then the, the last thing I'd say, and this, I mean, there's loads of different ones I can speak about, but, you know, pragmatism. Um, with that hands-on experience, you make more pragmatic decisions based on reality, not a textbook it's very easy for people to go into organizations and take their their past learnings, if you like, and try to impose that reality into their new situation without proper, you know, experience and failures as well. And, you know, learning what doesn't work. It's very difficult to properly apply previous learnings to new situations. I'll stop there. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, well said, well said. And I agree with all of that. Um, specifically the emotional intelligence <laughs> portion of it. Um, there, you know, there's learnt s- skills and tools that you've, to your last point, that you as a manager or a leader bring to the table, but life is not, and products and services are not one size fits all. You have to kind of take a step back, assess your team, assess the situation, assess your go-to-market plan, and, and really adapt from there using and pulling, you know. But also for me, what I've learned, and this is to your point again, it comes with being seasoned. It becomes with being experienced is the idea of being, you know, fostering a selflessness management style uh, and kind of pulling your ego back um, and letting the the smart men and women uh, you hired really do what they want to do and really push you forward. And then that adds to the whole idea that you brought up is trust, right? Um, and they see you rolling up your sleeves, you know, so that, that is a, a, you know, a beautiful combination of how to really kind of tie in and speak the same language with your teams. So wonderful. And do you, you, you often speak about this. So you want circuits. Do you, are you writing books? Um, I am writing a book. I, I am, I am writing a book, but it's, it's for my daughter. I often will tell her a story when she goes to bed and, you know, she's eight now. She'll be, she'll be nine in September. And a few months ago, my wife and I had the idea that instead of letting those memories go, although I'm still telling the same stories, it would, would be good to turn those, take those stories and put them into a book. So my daughter will say, okay, tell me the story about the dragon and the unicorn. And over time, those same stories have been crystallized. And so I'm almost there. I've got the, the words, but not the illustrations. And using AI to produce, using Midjourney to produce the illustrations, coming out anytime soon, but probably not for the public. Yeah, it's a personal project. Um, and you know what? AI is a fun tool and we could go on and on about that. Oh my gosh. Um, in fact, you know, maybe Valiance is working on, you know, AI capabilities most, you know, well, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of NFTs or smart contracts are building in, um, uh, not only automation, but, um, you know, predictive learning and modeling, uh, on top of that through AI. So that's really cool. Um, and we even, you know, we haven't even scratched the surface of that with Valiance. I'm sure you guys are kind of heading, got your noses, uh, north on that one. We're very, um, interested. we're very interested. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. And that is as, as fast as web three is moving, AI is like light speed, light speed. Um, it's one of those things where I'm, you know, most likely will be starting a separate podcast just dedicated to the world of AI, how to use it from a, perhaps from an enterprise level uh, to a small business level to a personal level. Uh, everyone is interested and it's, it's about to get wild. <laughs> so, it's, so, uh, it's incredible. 
Yeah, yeah. Even even Adobe, which you know, most people don't realize that Adobe has had AI type of image based tools for many years, but now they're starting to really bubble it up. They're really actually very powerful uh, within Adobe. Um, I've been I've been on the beta for Photoshop and other Firefly and a few other things. It's really powerful, and it's only day one for that. So super exciting. Um, can't wait. I know you'll probably see another podcast uh, coming out soon. But um, what do you what do you think? And we 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 touched on this a little bit. Just a little side side note here or question. Um, what do you think the the roadblocks are for for mass adoption and understanding of uh, decentralized networks or Web three. Yeah, this question comes up a lot. I think it's it does come down to education, as as you rightly said, we did touch touch on this, and I think that once businesses realise that the value proposition doesn't need to be one way, when both sides of the exchange can get value. I think the minute that happens, as people see more businesses do this and are able to use those same businesses and the products that they produce, I think that those roadblocks will be removed. I also think that we've got a long way to go with things like regulation. It's a brand new space. And once we become, as a society, more mature and have a better understanding in general of the implications of a lot of different things, you know, from AI and Web3 and security models and all the mathematics behind that, I think that suddenly with that shared understanding, a lot of those roadblocks will be removed. But it starts with education, whether that's on a personal level, which, if I'm honest, probably doesn't scale fast enough and so we're going to have to rely on those larger entities with that kind of, you know, from that B to B to C model, if you like, to be the gateway drug for that uptake in education. And then those roadblocks will disappear. Yeah. And some people might say, hey, it's a battle between, you know, blockchain and non-blockchain. But I kind of, uh, you know, I have a f similar sentiment of, you need 2.0 to get 3.0, right? Absolutely. Look, if you, if so, you know, today I can point somebody to an application and, and I can tell them that there's a database behind the website and they're not going to think twice about that. And I think if I say that there's a blockchain behind the website, there will be more questions. But I think over time we will get to the point where people will think of a database as a blockchain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I see it as the scales will just kind of tip and, you know, database to me is like, well, that could be, could be anywhere. Exactly. Um, it could be doing anything. It could be running any software behind the scenes, Indeed. but a blockchain uh, application or uh, DAP or whatever you want to protocols that you're working with, it, it is in, 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 in essence, a decentralized uh, network uh, and or database, if you will. Um, yeah. And I think the scales will tip and now it'll be, oh, you're not decentral. Uh, you're not a, a, a blockchain uh, application. Ooh, that should give you pause if you're not.
right? Absolutely, yeah. So the scales Absolutely. will tip. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as we, we're, we're kind of wrapping up, Lloyd, one of, and this could be, you know, this could blow up on us right now, um, which you probably should. And I'd love to have you back and talk more about this. But what, you know, what are the components in the future of DAOs, right? And decentralized networks? Because I, personally, I am fascinated and love and I've spun up and I'm just dipping my toes into into um, starting a decentralized autonomous uh, organization uh, just to try it, uh, you know, with my company and, and other networks that I'm, I'm working with. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, because I think it's profound. It's a great question. I wish you'd answered. I wish you'd asked me this earlier on. Uh, <laughs> now I'm sat thinking of, like what not to say about DAOs. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I think the the components, you know, today and in the future, there'll be, I mean, there'll be a lot. But so DAOs are all about governance, and I think that we're going to have, you know, we've got governance models in play today, but in the near future and beyond, we're going to have advanced governance models. Um, we'll see the the emergence, the, the novel, sophisticated models that potentially will use AI to balance efficiency, sorry, efficiency with decentralization. It's very easy to conceptually imagine things moving at light speed, but, you know, Einstein was right, or I think he's still right. You know, nothing goes faster than speed of light. Um, you know, this might involve systems that can delegate democracy. Um, let's call it liquid democracy. And then there's all these other instruments like quadratic voting, um, prediction markets for decision making. Again, AI, I see AI's involvement there as well. You've also got layer two scaling solutions, and that could be layer three and layer four. I think that's inevitable. Um, you know, people talk a lot about layer two, but then there's like meta layers that are going to come, you know, and, and these will be there to support the uh, the growth of DAOs and and therefore decentralized networks and those you know layer two and beyond solutions they'll be integral integral they'll be ne necessary you know things like optimistic roll-ups zk roll-ups i think optimistic roll-ups are the interim step and then and then it will just be zk roll-ups um, and side chains and that will significantly increase transaction speed you know we think of the term ZK zero knowledge has been, you know, about not giving away secrets or leaking information. But one of the huge benefits is um, efficiency, increasing speed, because now on the main chain, instead of being in, in the same time, I can do one transaction, I can do, do a thousand or 10,000. Um, and then there's that word again, interoperability, cross chain interoperability, um, There'll be lots of that. I won't go into that. I've said interoperability many, many times. Um, and then, then outside of the technology, there's the legal recognition, I guess, and regulation. Um, although I don't want to talk about regulation, I'm not. I'm not a lawyer. That you know that needs to happen. The maturity in that space. Um, and then there'll be enhanced privacy as well. So it will be. A non-event to you know become a part of a DAO. There'll be 
a lot more education and therefore trust about the efficacy of of DAOs and 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 the various instruments that use them. Uh, and I guess it's going to uh, well definitely improve inclusion and diversity. And then we'll see, not just in DAOs but in other areas, um, a more effective measures around security as as you know as those DAOs manage significant resources they'll become more targeted for hackers um and so as we had as we advance in auditing things like smart contracts uh formal verification tools um probably going to be built on things like ocaml and idris um and more efficient bug bounty programs that are probably going to be run by DAOs with ai as members um, and insurance protocols they'll be they'll all be crucial um in securing those DAOs assets um yeah lots of change lots of change coming it's a pretty heady topic because when you get into the, the the mechanics of it it is it is about creating a governance model for a select number of people yeah. that then have roles within that organization right um, I think that's going to be a fundamental shift for normal people to get over quicker than, say, people who who thirst for control, governments Absolutely. and large. Uh, they will. I think that's the next battle. Right. So the, the battle is just, hey, SEC and everyone else. This is legit. And just because you don't have controlling stake over it doesn't mean it's not. Um, DAOs will be the next thing that people start to kind of peel the, the layers back and start to see, oh, my gosh, this is really autonomous. These are communities that are forming and creating their own governance models and rules. Um, I think people will either jump on it 100 percent or they will they will just really question heck out of it and get really nervous Absolutely. and perhaps scared. Um, but it's a hugely powerful thing. And one of the things you brought up um, within the DAO uh, conversation, which I think is hyper important, is cybersecurity in Web3, DeFi in general, but specifically around DAOs. And I think those types of security measures need to be baked in because DAOs will, like as we're talking, you know, they're picking up speed. They're going to be more prevalent. I would like to see personally more security measures baked in just by default um, so people don't get into trouble, you know, because you can adopt a thousand bots without knowing it. You know, you can, uh, you know, let people into your communities um, and sometimes financial communities uh, and not who they are, know who they are. So validating and and um, you know adding that layer of security is from day one is hyper important I think. But so I'm I'm glad you mentioned this because so we are currently working surprise surprise on something that may be of interest, which is if you if you understand a concept called zero trust architecture, it's where you have a model where you don't rely on things like perimeters so um you know firewall rules for example and instead you accept that you know somebody or some entity 
some hacker is going to be able to break through those firewalls. And so there's a, an architecture called zero trust architecture, a way of building things where those different components that are deployed, they look after themselves. And so they have rules baked in to say, okay, wherever I'm deployed, I don't trust the environment that I'm in. So I'm going, I've, I'm going to have these things, these side chains, whatever, um, sidecar, sidecar, sorry, baked in that will validate everything and anything that comes into my particular space. And now I don't need to trust the firewalls. We are thinking about, um, and well, we're doing a little bit more than thinking. We're thinking about a zero data architecture where at the data layer where data becomes available, imagine now that you've got rules baked in so that regardless of where that data goes or comes from, the data itself is able to reason about the security of the interaction between two parties. And I think that there's, you know, I know there's other people working on, on this in different ways. Um, and I think that we will see more and more of that um, over the, the coming weeks and months. Awesome. Uh, it's funny you say weeks and months, not not years, like yeah, normal product life cycles. Yeah, it's uh, time is different these days. <laughs> good, good. And I'm going to have to dig into that a little bit more. Um, the the whole zero trust uh, idea, fascinating. Um, and again, you know, from cybersecurity to DAOs, we could be on the the phone for. Or, cameras for ages but uh we might have to peel off another uh another session for that but that. um uh you know so as we're kind of winding down a little bit here uh lloyd what is next for valiance what's what's kind of the uh, two week two two month <laughs> roadmap for you guys um uh what's going on what, what can we expect so we you know, we are attending, you know, some events in one vertical in the art space. We are also very busy building right now um, alongside our research. And we are looking at, you know, Q3 to release an onboarding and COA tool. Uh, news of that to come out anytime soon. And, yeah, we're still engaged with, you know, different events. We were at Eve Denver not long ago, Consensus and the Paris Blockchain Summit. Um for future events, you can stay up to date with our events and plans by following Valence at Get Valence on Twitter. Twitter spaces are phenomenal. I absolutely love them. They're great town halls, really, really smart conversations happening there. I love it. So, yeah, you're, you, you know, for our audience, go, you know, go to the Valence website, um, check out the products. They're always looking for people to kind of help and join um, the development community. Uh, and, you know, we're excited to use your products um, in the near future, uh, especially the wallet. I'm really intrigued. And the markets, the, all of it, actually. Um, <laughs> all of it, actually. Because you're hitting on, like, you got the trifecta, right? Um, you've got these three core components that are kind of vital. And if you only have a wallet, you're, oh, you're going to go, well, why, why can't I do anything with this? Yeah. Uh, except, you know, maybe flip some tokens or something like that. Um, this is really exciting. Uh, I've personally enjoyed learning and researching Valiance. Uh, I would suggest our audience do the same thing because there's really interesting things, whether you're, you know, a CEO looking for to do something really, really different, make a change, make a difference. 
or you're a developer looking for the next project, um, I would suggest looking at, you know, looking out to them. And also, you know, follow Lloyd on Twitter. He's a really interesting guy. Um, and uh, I would really enjoy having some more conversations with you down the, the, the road, Lloyd. Um, and uh, we thank you for, for being here. Anything no, else you want to share? Um, not much more. I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation. And I think, you know, um, we could go on for another hour yeah. or more. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned and that's and that's just not even talking about the music stuff, Lloyd. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, the, the, only thing, the only thing I'd say is, yeah, you know, Valence is, uh, you know, we're just getting going. Um, you can check us out online at getvalence.com or at getvalence on Twitter, as we said. You can learn more about our blockchain ecosystem, AliceNet, um, which is through our blockchain foundation partner, AliceNet, on Twitter or AliceNet on Discord. Um, and if you want to reach out to me, easiest way to get to me is on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, Lloyd, thank you so much. Um, uh, again, I, I enjoyed learning and enjoyed this discussion immensely. So thank you. And we'll be in touch for sure. 